have you ever encountered someone in an unexpected place? I've taught here for almost 18 years, which means I have stood up front many a Sunday, and I often forget that approximately 2,000 people in the Cedar Valley know my name and my face and recognize me in the most unlikely of places. Take the encounter I had a few years ago in the liquor aisle at Target. (laughs) I was shopping for rum with the highest alcohol content for my bananas flambe Christmas Eve dinner recipe, and I was literally on my knees comparing the labels of about five different types of rum. When a person stopped me and said, hey, don't I know you from Orchard Hill Church? And I looked up and realized where I was and who I was and who they were. And so I said to them, no. (laughs) The word encounter means to have an unexpected meeting with someone or something. And so I want to think about this morning, what was it like for the first people to encounter Jesus that morning of the resurrection And then I want to talk about what is it like for us, you and I, to encounter the risen Jesus, the Jesus we believe is alive and active in this world through his spirit. What is it like for us to encounter him today? I want to just talk about those two questions. So first I want to look at one of those gospel accounts told in Matthew. You heard Jeff read it. The first few verses tell the story of that first Easter morning at Sabbath Uh, uh, the day after the Sabbath, on the dawn of the first day of the week, an ordinary week, the two Marys go to the tomb, and there was this earthquake, and an angel of the Lord came down and rolled the tomb away, and the guards basically pass out from fear. The two women hold their ground, and the angel speaks to them and says, don't be afraid, I know that you came here to find Jesus. He's not here because he's risen just as he said. So go tell his disciples to go to Galilee and I'll meet them there. And then we're going to pick it up here in verse 8. This is what Matthew continues to write. He says, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So let's dig into how Jesus interacts with what I like to call the collective Marys, Mary Magdalene and her other friend Mary. He says three things, and the first thing he says is one simple word. He says, greetings. This is sometimes translated maybe in the Bible that you're used to reading as rejoice or peace be with you. The the good old King James translates it as all hail. But in the original Greek, the word Jesus uses here to greet the Marys is much more like a common street greeting than something formal. In fact, the closest modern American equivalent for this word, this word Jesus uses to greet the Marys, is is our most common street greeting, which would be what? Okay, you've all said now a series of different things I'm going to have to pick from. (laughs) The word 
most modern American equivalent that Jesus used was simply high. One of my favorite scholars believes that the risen Jesus' first word to the collective Marys was simply, hi. Wait, Jesus rose from the dead and his very first word to a pair of human beings in this gospel story is simply, hi? What does that tell us about Jesus? What does that tell us about how we might encounter him today? We're gonna come back to that in just a minute. What does he say next? Verse 10 of this text, Jesus says, don't be afraid. And of course, he is saying to the women literally, don't be afraid of me right now because you saw me die and you expected to find me dead in this tomb and right now I'm standing here alive so I don't want you to be afraid of me right now. But he is also saying something much deeper and more profound than simply don't be afraid of me right at this moment. And we're gonna come back to that in a minute too. The third thing he says, and we might miss this if we just skim over it, if you remember the angel, when she speaks to the Marys just prior to Jesus speaking to them, she says this. She says, go quickly and tell his disciples he's risen from the dead. The angel uses a much more generic kind of cold term to describe the disciples, the followers of Jesus. But when Jesus speaks to the women, this is what he says. He says, go and tell my brothers to meet me in Galilee. He uses a much more warm, familiar, personal word. And there is a message in that word, brothers. Frederick Bruner writes writes this about this one word. He said, in this one word is crammed the whole New Testament gospel of forgiveness. For Jesus could have called his cowardly disciples a lot of names we haven't read in the Bible. I love Frederick Bruner. You remember the, the, the disciples were Jesus' faithful followers who on the night that he was arrested and beaten, And when he was crucified, basically hid, denied they knew him, and covered their proverbial tales. So that's what he's talking about. Jesus could have called his disciples a lot of names we haven't read in the Bible, but he chose brothers. And Bruner says thus, every time this part of Jesus' resurrection story is told, forgiveness is preached, and so may be preached to us. And the great but crabby John Calvin believed Jesus chose this word brothers as a way to relieve the disciples of the crushing sorrow they felt about their own failure. When Jesus used the word brothers, when he said to Mary, go tell my brothers, he was implying all is forgiven. So the answer to our first question, what was it like for those first people to encounter the risen Jesus, at least in one of those stories, includes these three messages from Jesus. Hi, don't be afraid. All is forgiven. But what does it look like now? What does it look like for you and me to encounter the risen Jesus today? Have you ever asked yourself that question? 
At the risk of being overly simplistic, let me suggest that we can encounter the risen Christ in much the same way the Marys did. Jesus did not just encounter human beings some 2,000 years ago, but he wants to be actively present in our lives today. And we often miss him. Partly because we in this reductionistic, materialistic culture are skeptics, and I get that. But partly it's because our perception of Jesus is that he is going to be angry, condemning, and disappointed with us. And so that is the kind of voice we strain our ears to hear This is the kind of Jesus we expect to encounter an angry judge who is just waiting for us to screw up, who is just waiting to point out that we're not religious enough, that we're not good enough, and so he can punish us somehow. But Jesus spent his entire life trying to debunk this picture of God. Jesus spent his entire life trying to get people to understand that this image of an angry, condemning, disappointed God is not accurate, and his quest continues to this day. And you and I can hear his voice. And do you know what he wants to say to us? Hi, don't be afraid, all is forgiven. And I wonder, which of these words do you need to hear today from the risen Jesus? What about the word high? You see, despite what the King James translation tries to do to this greeting, all hail, top of the morning, top of the day to you ladies, Jesus did not speak in a British accent. He was not all dressed up in a tux and a top hat. All he said was high. And he used that kind of greeting to help us understand that if we are going to encounter Jesus at all, it must be in the most ordinary moments of our most ordinary days. This is why Jesus simply said, hi. And some of us miss him because we've been taught we can only hear his voice or see his face in some kind of overly or overtly religious message or as a literal voice that thunders from the heaven. Last night when I said that, it thundered. It was awesome. Or or we can maybe only see him or experience him in some kind of lofty cathedral. But we can only encounter Christ in the midst of our everyday lives because we have no other place to encounter him. But we often miss him because we're not looking for him on a Tuesday afternoon. And frankly, too many of us are too distracted to hear his voice anyway. I was hiking recently in a state park in Georgia while we were on spring break, and while I was hiking, I was listening to one of my favorite teachers explain that the ancient rabbis used to believe that in the story of Moses and the burning bush, do you remember that story in the Old Testament when Moses is walking along, minding his own business, and he comes across a bush that's on fire, but it's not burning up, and so he stops And he steps over to it and he has this encounter with God that changes the course of history. Well, the rabbis believed that the bush was always aflame. It was only Moses 
who took the time and paid attention to stop and have this encounter with God. And so I'm hiking, and it was March in Georgia, and so it was still pretty gray, and most of the trees were either evergreens or they were bare. And I'm listening, I'm right in the midst of this teaching where this teacher's describing this belief of the rabbis that these, this bush was always aflame, and it was only Moses who could stumble upon it and pay attention to it. And just just as I was listening to that, and I was thinking about this sermon, I came around the corner and, and, and this sunlight flashed onto this bright red tree. And I just stopped in my tracks and laughed out loud. And I took the buds out of my ears, you know, and I kind of looked up to the sky and looked up at God because I kind of just felt in my spirit as if the risen Christ was saying, Hi, Alice. <laughs> Have you ever had one of those moments? Hi, Alice, I see you. I know it's just a regular Tuesday, but the whole earth is aflame with my presence. You just gotta keep your eyes open, kid. Hi. He wants to say hi to you too. But he has more than simply hi to say to you. He also wants to tell you, don't be afraid. You see, Jesus wasn't just addressing those two women at that particular moment in time when he told them not to be afraid. Jesus knew and he knows today that deep in every human soul is what author Ernest Becker calls the rumble of panic underneath everything. Do you know what I'm talking about? This ever-present, often suppressed fear of death or meaninglessness or non-existence. This is partly why we keep ourselves so distracted, so busy, so consumed by the details of living because we don't want to have to pay attention to that rumble of panic that exists just below the surface. Jesus wants to address that kind of fear. Do not be afraid, he said to the Marys. But he also said, do not be afraid, Alice, to the 16-year-old me, who in high school out of the blue became acutely aware of my own existential panic in my maturing brain and soul, a panic about the brevity and meaninglessness of life, a panic about this fear of death and potential nothingness. And I believe the risen Christ saw me and reached out to say hi to me through my friends at East High School when one day in the hallway, one of my friends just handed me what I like to call the football scripture on a little note card. Do you know what I'm talking about? You all see the sign every Sunday when you watch football, John 3.16. Have you ever read the verse? It simply says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life. And so through that verse, God addressed my deepest fear. And he said to me, do not be afraid for God so loved the world and you, Alice, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, even you, Alice, with all your doubts, 
will never die. Don't be afraid, Alice, but will live forever. Don't be afraid. The risen Christ wants to speak those same words to us today, to me and to you, every single one of you, amidst our ordinary daily fears, yes. But he also wants to speak the words, do not be afraid, right into the deepest fears we carry in our souls. Things we may not be aware of. Things he knows about. And he wants to say to you this morning, don't be afraid. You who are aging, you who are sick, or who are lonely, you who are fearful because of this current political climate, you who wonder if this life is all there is, if this is as good as it gets, you who are fearful about your future or about the future of someone you love, you who buried a best friend this year or this week, you who are just starting out or starting over, to you, Jesus says, do not be afraid. The resurrection means, Jesus says, that I am bigger than death. I am bigger than any suffering you will ever face. I am more powerful than your deepest fear. And I make this universe, whether you live or die, a perfectly safe place for you to be because you will always be within my care. Therefore, the rumble of panic underneath the surface of everything need not concern you in any way. Do not be afraid. And his last words may be the most important of all. All is forgiven. All is forgiven. You see, fear is a universal emotion, but so is the need to be forgiven. And as a pastor, when I listen to people, all kinds of people, churchy people, you know them. Unchurchy people, you know them too. Most of us, almost all of us, whether we can put it into words or not, know that somehow we are broken. Some of us feel irredeemably flawed, even beyond fixing. And you know where this shows up? In our relationships. With each other, with ourselves, the way we treat ourselves, and with God. It shows up in a deep, deep desire to be forgiven. And so this message that Jesus told the collective Marys in so many words when he said, go tell my brothers, meaning I forgive them, is the same message he says to you and to me today, and especially he says it on this morning, because God himself in Jesus has taken on our sin. He has taken on our brokenness, and he has made it his own. He suffered under its weight, dying on a cross. And in three miraculous days, he rose from the dead, victorious over all of our sin, guilt, and shame. God in Christ absorbs our failures. He absorbs our evil, our selfishness, our betrayals, our violence, our brokenness, our apathy. He did that. 
This is what was happening on the cross, in that tomb, and on Easter morning. And because of that, God is not mad or disappointed or wanting to condemn you. Do you believe that? See, many people act as if forgiveness is something God hoards. He wants to keep to himself, and he'll only give it away in small amounts to people who really deserve it. A lot of churches describe God that way. But look at this story. Jesus doesn't say to the Marys, look, Go tell those cowardly disciples of mine that as soon as they show up here and own up to what they did, maybe I'll forgive them, just maybe, if they ask me in the right way. No. By calling them his brothers right out of the blocks, or should I say right out of the tomb, he is signaling to his disciples, his brothers, all is forgiven. He's basically saying to the Marys, just tell them to come meet me. I'm not going to judge them for what they did. I just handled all that. Do you know that cross thing? That was for them. I did that on their behalf and everything is made right now between us. I just want them to know I'm here, I'm alive. I am making all things new, including them. Everything is good. All is forgiven. This is the good news of the Christian gospel. This moment of forgiveness of these disciples, I believe, is the reason the church took off and became a worldwide movement in just a few short years. These young men, Jesus' scaredy-cat disciples, in the moment of their greatest failures before they even knew Jesus was alive, before they even had a chance to go to him and say, Jesus, we're so sorry, how can you forgive us? Before any of that ever happened, he had already forgiven them. So if you've been beaten up by the church, if you've been told by someone, you gotta clean up, you gotta get your act together, you gotta start doing the right things, you gotta read the right kind of Bible, you gotta wear the right kind of clothes, you gotta get baptized the one right way and go to the only one right church and you gotta pray the one right prayer and only then, maybe, will God dispense some of his stingily handed out, otherwise hoarded forgiveness. If you've been told any of those things, this story of Jesus tells a different story. The cross means all is forgiven. See, and now what Jesus wants to say to you is just come meet me in Galilee. This is simply the good news that is offered to every single human being every single day in this God-drenched world, and it is an invitation for everyone. And the question is not, am I good enough to deserve it? That's not the question. And the question is not, do I go to church and so then I deserve it and I've earned it? Those aren't the right questions. The question simply is, do I trust that this is the heartbeat of God toward me? 
do I trust that because of what Jesus has done, all is forgiven? Don't answer that too quickly. Because many of us say we believe it, but we spend the rest of our lives running around asking the question, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? What do I got to do to make sure God loves me and likes me and I'm right with him? You don't have to do anything. Jesus has done it all. Jesus has done all that is needed. And so the question simply is, do you trust that that is true for you? Everything is forgiven. You have a clean slate. You don't need to be afraid. The resurrected Christ is here and he's with you. And so no matter how dark or lonely or frightening or confusing life is, you do not have to be afraid. Do you trust that this is true? And some of you may be thinking, well, that sounds too good to be true. I just have to trust him. The good news of the gospel of the risen Jesus is always going to sound too good to be true. If it does not, it is not the good news. This is why it was called good. This is why this news of Jesus' cross and resurrection changed the world. This is why the calendar flipped from BC to AD in one explosive moment in time. This message, the message of Jesus' forgiveness, if we don't junk it up with guilt and fear and shame, is the most transformative message this distracted, fearful, guilt-ridden human soul has ever heard. Hi. Don't be afraid. All is forgiven. These are the words of the risen Jesus to you as he encounters you this morning. He is not condemning or mad or disappointed with you. My husband wanted me to say that again, so I'm saying it again. He is not condemning or disappointed or mad at you. And when you hear his name from now on, I want you to remember his first words fresh from that tomb. Hi, don't be afraid. All is forgiven. And I want you to let his name, the name of Jesus, his beautiful name, his powerful name, every time you hear it, I want you to let it fill you with relief and joy and gratitude. He is risen, my friends. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Oh Jesus, we mess up your message. We try to tame it, we try to tame you, we try to put it in a box, we try to put you in a box, we try to control it, we try to think we can discern who gets to hear it and who doesn't and who earns it and who doesn't. And this story, Jesus, of you bursting out of that tomb and bursting into this broken world with the three most powerful message a human soul can hear. Hi, don't be afraid. All is forgiven. Reminds us that we can't control you at all. 
And so God, as we listen now to Katie sing this song about your name, may each one of us have a fresh encounter, a loving, grace-filled, powerful, good encounter with you, the one who loved us so much, you went to the cross and into the tomb for us. Amen.
Jesus is on the loose, my friends. And as C.S. Lewis said, he is the hound of heaven and he's after every single one of us. But remember this, he's not after us because he's angry or mad or disappointed. He's after us because he loves us. And so as you strain your ears and your eyes to hear him and see him in this God-drenched world, remember, this is the kind of voice you're gonna hear. It's the voice that says to you, hi, don't be afraid. All is forgiven. Just meet me in Galilee. Have a great Easter. He is risen. Amen.